hammer down and push your IndyCar to the limit. No better way to quiet your critics than to go to victory lane. From turbochargers to tight turns, we're covering everything that's happening in the NTT IndyCar Series. Ericsson wins the Indianapolis 500 in the most dramatic way. Exclusive interviews with drivers, crew chiefs, and team owners discussing the IndyCar storylines that matter to you. No matter whether it's a street circuit, a road course, a super speedway, or a small oval, it's fantastic, and there's more to come in 2022. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Hello, IndyCar Nation, and welcome to another edition of Brick by Brick. Here on Sirius XM Radio with Tony Kanan, I'm Jack Arood and TK. Nashville and a weekend off certainly allowed some of these teams to put their cars back together because Nashville took its toll. But I've got to say, and I want to jump right into the deep end of the pool, all these people that are saying, oh, there was so much carnage. Oh, my gosh. You know, $80,000, $800,000. With all due respect, and I, you know I have great admiration for, for people like Marshall Pruitt. Bottom line is you run on a street course. You're getting down to the end of a championship chase. The elbows are going to be up, and you're going to tear stuff up. Jack, racing is expensive, no matter where you look at it. Exactly. But, uh, you have no way of predicting damages. You can make $800,000 damage. Well, every weekend, it doesn't matter where you go. So, and then I've heard also, which I totally disagree. Oh, you know, we need to talk to the drivers. Can they actually take it easy in some of these races? Come on, people, just leave it alone. It's a race and it happened. People made mistakes. People don't make mistakes. It's the nature of the track. We're not changing the track because it's a street course and it was extremely successful. So I think, you know, you have a weekend off. A bunch of the series are on breaks. People just, not just journalists, but also the fans, they try to make stuff up to have stuff to talk about. That's what all I think it is. You know, I, I'm with you. It doesn't matter. Are we going to keep counting how much money we spend in damages every weekend? I hope not. Yeah. Right. I mean, you it, know how to make a small fortune in racing, right? TK? Yeah, it starts with a big one. That's right. <laughs> hey, some good news. Um, we didn't get much of a chance to talk about it last week when we were looking back at Nashville. The emergence of Christian Lundgaard, you know, his performances have really been on a on a steady upward soar. And Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan have rewarded Lundgaard with an extension to his deal. I, I wonder from your perspective, having Christian as part of that team, I think is elevated not necessarily the performance of Graham or of Jack Harvey, but the performance in the shop, the engineers, the people that are toiling week in and week out. Because I, I think three is always better than two. Two is always better than one. For sure. And I think, you know, they did, Rahel did the right thing. They brought a kid last year to give it a try. He, you know, showed potential. And he definitely brought some young blood to the team. You know, uh, Graham is there, and I was in Graham's position before. You need somebody to push you. You've been yeah. around for a yeah. long time. Uh, you, you need it. And then I think Graham loves that. Um, obviously, they did hire uh, Jack, too. I mean, as a team, they struggled this year. 
Uh, they've been turning the situation around the second half of the season, which uh, it's been great. And they renew his contract at the right time because there are some seats there might be available. There are some teams, some big teams, that might be looking for replacements. And, uh, you know, if you have a good one, you have to keep it. Right now, uh, it's all up in the air. So you saw how much the market was shook up with all that controversy. So everybody was like, oh, let me try this. So they signed Renas. They re-signed, you know, Lunger. So I think it's just really, uh, you know, obviously he's, he's awesome. He proved to be good. He's been running the last two races extremely strong. So uh, good for him. And the elephant in the room continues to sit over in the corner. And that is where will Alex Pillow be in 2023? And certainly I think that's the major domino. We already have, as you say, Lungard and the, the switch. But here's an interesting facet. After Nashville, a lot of undercurrent, a lot of just whispers about Felix Rosenquist mm-hmm. and the fact that because they want to keep Rosenquist in and they intend to in the McLaren camp, maybe go to Formula E. But here was a fascinating exchange I had with the PR department in McLaren. I had requested, you know, to visit with Felix. And it was a terse email back. Unfortunately, we have decided not to make Felix available outside of IndyCar mandated interviews. Now, you know me, the alert went up. You know, let's let, let's sequester him. Let's keep him because Felix did say, and then we heard the rumors, you and I did, that there were other teams that had at least had expressed an interest. And Felix has been very open about wanting to stay in IndyCar racing. So translate for me that code speak from that email. How would you take it? Well, I think it honestly, uh, they don't need to put more fire into the situation exactly i, I wasn't they, being negative about it i just thought that i thought it was vocal. interesting Rabbi, yeah. that's what i'm saying so yeah. basically what they're doing right now obviously everybody's on, on managing the damages right i mean yeah damage right be done on both sides ganassi uh, uh mclaren pato goes out and says well i mean anything he just has no filter <laughs> then felix when he finished in the podium in toronto sent a pretty good message Message. out there i think now they're just you know what let's prevent we don't need more aggravation and i think that's why because felix will expressly put it out there that he wants to stay in indycar but in my opinion if if that was the case i think he probably jumped the gun when he re-signed the deal with mclaren just because he had nothing else i understand because i've been in that position before and sometimes i wanted to get things done right away and didn't want to wait. Dario was always the opposite. Dario wanted it to wait and see what his options were. And then I think Felix, in my opinion, jumped the gun and he's regretting right now because it was obvious that they're getting him to go to Formula E. Now, if this Palu situation doesn't get solved, because also people thought, wow, Palu, Formula One, he ain't going to Formula One. He is the, the third car, second car, whatever car, mm-hmm. the third car of McLaren. So with Palu not going to McLaren, I think Felix will stay. They'll just give him, you know, the third car in IndyCar. And they will run 
uh, Pato, Rossi, and Felix. Now, the big question is, if that happens, is Chip going to run Palou or is he going to sit Palou out? Exactly. Exactly. But there's that's... another question, Jack, that I'm asking. But if he does that, who is he going to put in that car? That's why I say it's the domino effect. And I think that there are a lot of people right now that are in play. Now, we know who's replacing Alexander Rossi at Andretti Autosport. That's Kyle Kirkwood. But again, and Kirkwood signed early, right? Kirkwood went, went. To he was under contract Boyd. to Andretti to begin with. I, I, I was already, that was already yes. like a move. Yeah. It was actually, you know, basically that's something that doesn't happen here very often, but happens in F1. They link the drivers. So like, go, right. go get some experience in a smaller team. And then you come back here uh, because we don't have, a, like, basically he, he was to jump up at the wrong time. There was no place for him at Andretti. So, yeah, I mean, but even then, talk about Andretti. Um, that organization right now, it's it's gonna get a big shakeup. They don't get along. Um, I came from there, right, long long time ago. We were the ones, Jack. You tell me if I'm wrong. I'm not trying to talk about me, but I remember that we started this one team thing, teammates. We got yeah. along, and and right now, I think, in my opinion, they're in trouble. I think they're between Rossi and and, and Herta, They get along really well. Uh, the Francesco is a rookie and then that is Grosjean and I think the team is extremely divided and I think that's hurting them and, and you know the one thing that we haven't spent some time on and that is the road to Indy program and we've got some very talented guys and they're not just showing up hat in hand you in the road Indy lights championship and you get the golden briefcase you get it's over a million dollars to take to a race team and the one that, well, we're going to be talking to David Malukas a little bit later in the show. The one that was a in the past that seemed to be always receptive to that was Dale Coyne Racing. Right. But lo and behold, Dale was quoted on NBC as saying, we feel very certain we're going to be able to return our two drivers, Takuma Sato and Malukas, back to the pole for 2023, which I got to be honest with you. I can't recall the last time in recent history where Dale Coyne has had the same drivers more than one year. Right, but but see, Jack, I think if I was an Indy Lights driver right now, I would actually be concerned because our class of rookies this year is outstanding. Indeed. So we have, we had, quote, unquote, too many of them, but they are so good that now there's going to be a while. It was like when Elio and I moved up or like New Garden. Um, the big teams, I don't see them hiring. I mean, those guys need somebody to perform now. Yes. And then there are the coin that would obviously always give somebody a chance with talent and money. But again, he's a mid-pack team. Sometimes they're not very consistent. They run in the front, but not a lot all the time, you know. And then you get the small team. So I, I yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, they obviously with Bourdais, he did it for a couple of years, but they was always seems, in my opinion, they do really well with the driver and they're like, well, let's do some continuity. And all of a sudden, either they lose the driver to somebody else. Right. Or he just makes a change, you know? So I think it will be awesome if they can keep, you know, that combination. I think Sato has a lot of experience that he can help the kid 
he can help Malukas. And Malukas has been proven how good he is. So if it's good, why change it? You know, I, I can see maybe an Indy Lights rookie, uh, the champion probably, if he wants to move up, a team adding a third car. A Junko's adding a second car maybe. But I don't see any of these kids landing a Ganassi or a McLaren. Oh, no, I don't either. Any, any of those seats. Uh, my point is um, there are more talent, individual talented drivers, than there are seats. Yeah, but Jack, think about it. I don't know if I agree with you because we just talk about. Let's pretend that ten car, the Ganassi car, yeah. has a seat. I'm that, I'm I'm reeling you in like a giant who, marlin. Mike. Who are we gonna put it in there? Hold on. The one thing that I and I just set the hook right now. The influx and the popularity worldwide that. IndyCar has a, has just because of the performance of expatriated Formula One drivers and Formula One aspirants, now you have the entire European connection, and we haven't even talked about them. But that's there's what I'm where, talking about. There's where my empty, too many, not enough seats for talent is coming from. Look at Sebastian Vettel, retiring, has already expressed a desire that, you know what, I'd like to try an IndyCar. And we're not even talking about those those youngsters that are in the in the developmental hopper for Formula One. There's only 20 seats in Formula One. There's about 40 developmental drivers. Where are they going to go? IndyCar looks pretty damn good. Like I said, you're, you're right. And then you touch to the point. Um, if for, on the big teams, it, it either will be a big name that is already in America. And guys, let me take that out of the question. I'm not coming back full time. That's not happening because people say, oh, you're going to fill in for a year. No, no. It, no. I think it will be a, a big name coming from Europe if that happens. If that happens. We should use the disclaimer that we always do. Due to contractual obligations, Tony Kanan can only lead us to the water. He can't make us drink. There's certain things that he cannot divulge because of his current contract with CGR. I All will right, World... soon. I will soon. <laughs> <laughs> Worldwide technology on the docket, our final oval race of the season. Why is it the gateway? I prefer to call it gateway, although the official title and the Bomberito people do a terrific job promoting this event. Why is that racetrack so exciting for IndyCars? I mean, we have seen it year in and year out. Just incredible performances. Jack, I think it's a combination um, of the length of the track, but also the combination of corner. You have yeah. two different corners. You have a flat, long, fast turn three and four, and very banked turn one and two. They repaved, so the track has a lot of grip. That creates a lot of good racing. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but uh, they're going to do the same thing they did in Texas, they're going to add 30 minutes to the session on Friday night uh, before the last session. Run the groove the in. To run the yeah. groove on the top. Yeah. That one car per team is going to. You know what I call that now? The willpower practice. Session. The willpower practice. Yes. <laughs> but it's just one of those things. There are racetracks that create good racing because of the layout and, and the layout and they match the cars that we race there, you know, some tracks are not great. I mean, yeah. for us. And then, but that's the one. And then, you know, 
it's one of those things. It's close to Indy. It's only three out, three and a half hours. So we have a lot of people that go there. The place is packed. Bomarito does an awesome job. And it's coming right in handy. The last oval of the year. Championship is on the line. We have five guys fighting for it. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I'll be there. I'll, uh, I'll have plenty to talk about next week. Sounds like a plan. Uh, our guests, I said, David Malukas and uh, Max Pappas, who you and I know very, very well, who um, has really engineered and pioneered uh, some incredible advancements in the design of steering wheels, which leaves us, you notice, I was actually going to try and avoid picking winners and all that stuff, but <laughs> let's transition to who we're going to pick for the title, for the championship. Okay. Right. You know, before Dixie took a wounded race car and, and managed to do what he did, I'll be honest. Are you going to pick first? No, I'm just saying I wrote oh. him off. I wrote okay. him off. I okay. didn't, I didn't think that's where he was coming from. Now. Okay. I just don't know. I'm, I mean, I'll be quite frank with you. Let's look what happened at Nashville with Marcus, right. you know? So I'm going to, uh, the only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go out on a limb. All right. Okay. You know me. It will be a Chip Ganassi car. Really? Yeah, I think it's going to be okay. a Chip Ganassi car. Okay, well, then I have to pick. I was going to pick Dixon for a personal reason. Well, you can pick Dixon. I'm, I'm not saying that. I mean, you can pick the same one as me. I, I'm not going to limit you. I'm covering my butt anyways by saying it's going to be a Chip Ganassi car. Hey, there's three of them in there. I'm playing the odds, aren't I? Right, right, you're right. <laughs> I, I, I would say I'll, I have my my money on Dixon. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't think we really paid the kind of attention we should have to the pattern of, of Dixie. But it's one of those things, Jack, like, think about it. Um, part of being good um, and, you know, successful, you got to be lucky. Oh, yeah. And Dixon yeah. is fully aware of what happened to him. And, and I understand. Well, I mean, Sometimes you gamble, it goes right. They gambled there. He had a damaged car. They didn't change tires. 45 laps on a set of tires. And the yellow, you catch the yellow at the right time. You you have a restart with only two to go that you can hold off the fastest car of on the planet Earth that weekend. <laughs> and you win a race and you put yourself back in. But then the difference is when you put that kind of person back in, then it's when the problem begins. Because he, you give him a chance, he's going to take it away from you. So that's why I have it. He got lucky, but he got there. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, if he wins the championship in 2022, and we're looking who won the championship three years from now in 2022, and he's going to say Scott Dixon, nobody's going to talk about, well, but you know what? In Nashville, uh, he had, it's right. it doesn't matter. You won, you won the bloody championship. All right, so he picks Dixie. I go and cover myself. You notice none of us have said uh, Team Penske. But we reserve the right after this weekend's race to say, ah, I want to shift. That's what they call rebracketing. Hey, coming up next, we will kick things off with our guest list. It will be the incredible rookie that grew up around racing, just has to get in his car and drive about 15 minutes from his home in suburban Chicago to Dale Coyne Racing. David Maluka standing by in our virtual green room. We'll welcome him in right after this. 
Quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This, this is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. We're hitting the apex to bring you the hottest news from the NTT IndyCar Series. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Welcome back. It is Brick by Brick. He's Tony Kanaan. I'm Jack Aroot. And uh, making his way from what I like to call our virtual green room is our first guest of the day. That is the rookie, David Malukas, who uh, has certainly very quietly entered the IndyCar fracas and has left, shall we say, a pretty good mark. David, thanks for joining us. Got to tell you, you at Nashville, I think, established your credibility that nobody's going to push me around anymore. Uh, I paid my dues, and it's time for me now to go out and race the veterans as hard as they race me. Yes, of course. Well, thank you for the kind words, and thank you for having me. It was, yeah, Nashville was a great weekend. Had many good battles with many veterans, um, good moves back and forth. And overall, I thought it was a really great weekend, just adding on to the team's positive upward ride that we've been doing these past couple of races. Um, unfortunately, you know, it ended how it did. But I think overall, the it, it just was, again, one of our best races. Was it a conscious decision by you to get a little bit more aggressive? Yeah, I mean, you know, through... Uh, just getting a lot more comfortable with the car and how moves are done. You know, in the beginning of the season, especially with all the fuel saving tactics, et cetera, I really didn't know like when to go for the attack, when to safe push the pass, when to, you know, maybe don't go for the move and other, you know, like safe fuel otherwise. And, you know, Oh, maybe I go for this move, but I'm going to use too many of my resources. So maybe I should just wait and maybe get into a pit stop. And I think just through time and experience, I've learned how to manage that well and, you know, with uh, with learning from these other veterans and watching Will Power, et cetera, see how they how they do these moves, I've been able to learn from them and add on to it. So obviously, mate, we you know, I was I was cheering for you. I think you and uh, and Kirkwood had a pretty good battle there. Have you guys talked about after the fact, or you know, it's just the way it is, and uh, you moved on? Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit, you know, in the 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 car ride to the medical center. Um, other than that, we haven't really spoke too much. You know, it's, uh, it, I don't know, we kind of both agree that it was more of just a, a racing incident. You know, he went for a late move, and I wasn't expecting it. It wasn't really looking for it, and just took my normal line into the corner, and then we, we ended up colliding. So I think it was a bit of a mistake on, on both parts, so we just concluded with, with each other that there's no bad blood. So explain to me how the deal came together, that you were a part of a race team that's located, what, a 15-minute drive from your suburban Chicago home, and all of a sudden um, you can just hop in the car, go over there whenever you want, when the majority of the IndyCar operations are located either in A, Ohio, but more importantly in Indianapolis. Uh, what has that allowed you to do your rookie season? Have you have you spent more time in the in the shop because it is close by? Yeah, you know, going into the season, you know, as a, for going in for my rookie season, there was – different options with different teams. And one of the big reasons to go with Dokkan racing was because of the shop location and where I live. Like you said, I'm only 15, 20 minutes down the street. So for me, I always go to the shop and can just get a better connection and chemistry with all the mechanics, the engineers. And it's just much easier to do, you know, person, person to person, you know, meetings, et cetera, instead of going on, 
on Zoom, which, you know, it's okay, but just in person, it's a different aspect. You get a different idea of everything. And I also talk with Dale. We work on pit stops together. So it's a much better environment. And also when I, uh, you know, have moments like Nashville at the end of the race, I can uh, go to the shop and, and give the mechanics donuts for, uh, for, for causing a lot of damage with the car. <laughs> the donut damage clause, right? <laughs> Yes, it worked very well. <laughs> so, David, obviously, uh, towards the end of the season, um, what are what are your expectations for this last three races? Obviously, we all we all want to win. Um, what's really realistic in your plate um, for the next three? Yeah, going into the end of the season, I think the team has done a good job to kind of start having a lot more consistency, especially you know with with the way qualifying has been making it into. The second segment has kind of been just a, a more of a natural thing. And I think as long as we can just keep that consistency, um, I would really like to just have uh, top 10 finishes. Um, that would, it's kind of going to be like our, our main goal. Um, of course, rookie championship is also a little bit there, but we'll see how that goes. I think Longard has a very good lead on that now, especially after Nashville. But yeah, as long as we can just, you know, finish these races, top 10 finishes, I would be through the roof with with uh, exciting excitement and i think those would be a really good goals to go for david i, I remember very distinctly uh, our conversation with hinch and myself leading up to the indianapolis 500 and, and just how filled with wonderment but also uh, a little bit of self-criticism uh, as you kind of gauged what lied ahead and what you've learned and how much you were still drinking out of the fire hydrant when it comes to IndyCar competition. Has, has the water pressure subsided? Are you pretty much more, much more comfortable now? Can I call you a veteran? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a lot more comfortable than how I was in May. It's uh, every race. I just keep getting a, a little bit better. Um, also just getting a much better friend friendships through all the other drivers in the paddock. And just learning a lot more with how everybody is and learning from them and knowing who's more on the aggressive side, who's more tactical and just learning mm -hmm. all that. So I'm definitely getting there, getting more familiar with the paddock. Um, but I don't know, like uh, getting the, the veteran statement to me, it just uh, seems like something special. So I don't know, maybe maybe not until next season I could I can call myself a veteran um, just because, I don't know, to me, I think a veteran, I just think of, I don't know, a lot, a lot of high class and stature and, you know, they have already had some podiums. So maybe if we get a podium by the end of the season, then maybe I can get myself that statement. So, so you said it, David. So speaking of next season, when are we going to get, you know, to know what are you doing, where are you going? Well, I have signed a two-year contract with Dale at the beginning of this season. So, oh. I, I mean, the way things are going right now for, for next season, it's it's going to be with another year with Dale Corn Racing. And we all know that what a great Indy Lights entry uh, you come from and, and, and the way HPD eventually wants to move up the ladder and the association with Dale Coyne. When you take a look at that aspect of it, you know, when do you think, Maybe at the end of your two-year contract, that HPD may be there as a as a possible, uh, well, what do you call it, an O and O opportunity? I mean, maybe you know, I with the the way things are going, you know, from my end, all I want is just to to keep finishing with good results, and you know, with with those things, they'll come and go, and, and if they do, great. If they don't, great. You know, for me, I just I just want to be in a new car. This is where I want to be, and I love it here. So, if the offer comes, then it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't.
Well, mate, obviously uh, you had a very strong run, uh, especially for your first year. Uh, how uh, you have one of my good friends and veteran as a teammate. Uh, that guy, I still hope it's the same, but I've never met anybody that breaks later than Takuma Sato. So how's your relationship with him and how much have you learned, you know, from him uh, this year? Yeah, Takuma has been a great help, uh, especially on the ovals. He has a lot of these veteran tricks that he's, he's giving me a little tips here and there. I know he's still keeping a few in his pocket, uh, which <laughs> I understand by all means, but <laughs> he, uh, he's been great for me, you know, to, to just get really comfortable with the car and any questions I have, I always ask it. He's so open, so friendly. Uh, but yeah, like you said, he's, his braking is extremely late uh, and just it gets a good amount of brake pressure as well. I don't, I can't hit how far he, he gets in the braking zone. Uh, I just try to make up for it on the exits of the corners. But yeah, no, he's he's a great talent, and I, you know, for for a rookie season, it's probably the best team I could have asked for. So basically, you're saying when you review his uh, his brake traces on the graph, you sit there and you go, "Oh my god." Yeah, so so I, I saw the amount of pressure and everything he hits, and I went into the car uh, myself, just you know, out of the session, and just looked at the the dash to try to hit that brake pressure. And I was like, oh my god! I mean, like he is just like his whole. I don't know, like he's I, a I freak. Like, he or lunges or something. I don't know, like man, he's like hitting this thing so hard. And he is so little. Like I, I said the same thing. I said that little leg cannot press the brake pedal that hard, and. uh He's yeah, right, Jeff. yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> it is impressive. Like, and it, and I tell you, I, I, I try to break where he breaks. Uh, I never made the corner, so I'm like, I, I'll give it to you, man. And you're, and you're smarter than me, David. He said, you know what? I'll make it on the exit because that's the only, <laughs> only option. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just try to, to carry that speed and maybe get on power a little bit sooner because, yeah, no, he is a, he's definitely a late breaker for sure. It's impressive. Hey, before we let you go, you mentioned the fact that, you know, he's still holding some little nuances back because as much as you're as his teammate uh you're also ultimately one of his competitors is there is there a a, a facial expression is there you know some sort of body language when you are having a conversation with your teammate that you realize aha uh, he's not giving me the whole story he's holding back uh, or is it, it, or does he just flat come out and say, you know what, I'm not going to tell you that because I need it. Yeah, no, it's more, it's more like the, uh, the body language deal, yeah, uh, yeah. I, especially in the month of May, you know, there's a, there's little <laughs> things where I'd ask him a question and I could see him like think a little bit and just kind of give like a half answer. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> you know, that's fine. I have the onboard footage. I'm going to try to find it. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll look and maybe I can see what you're doing. Um, but yeah, so it's a, yeah, it's a little bit, but uh, I mean, it's all fair play. I, I understand. I would, you know, do the same thing. You don't want to give these tricks. You know, it's, it's, a, it's not like he's a two time for nothing. So no. And, and look, you'll eventually get there too. And there'll be some youngster that'll be nipping at your heels and you'll use those. Yeah, uh, exactly. that body you know, maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll finally figure it out, you know, and, the, and then I'll be able to have a conversation with you. I'll be like, Hey, I, 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 now I understand what, you know, what you were trying to tell me, but you know, now I figured it out. So <laughs> you may be hit from it, but I figured it out eventually. Hey David, it's always a pleasure. Good luck in the chase uh, for rookie of the year. And especially this weekend in the final oval race, 
And uh, we appreciate your taking some time today to visit with us here on Brick by Brick. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. That's David Malukas. TK, up next, a real treat for both of us. Uh, this is a guy that is giving back so much to the sport that he loves. He ends his name in a vowel just like I do. Okay. He's got that Italian way. He's inspired by another Italian that inspired him to start MPI. We'll right. And we him. save him for last because That's right. well, we had to talk the entire hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Max Pappas coming your way right after you listen to these messages. A quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This, this is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Embrace the power. Outside, that is bold. And speed of the NTT IndyCar Series. Welcome to the four-time club, Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, the action shifts to the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Whoa! From the green to the checkers. Marcus Erickson wins. Hear the entire race on IndyCar Nation, Channel 160, NBC Sports Audio, Channel 85. Here it comes. And with the SXM app, included with all of our trials and popular plans. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Well, TK, I can't think of a better guest to close things out today than our next guest, Max Pappas. Certainly a long and rich history behind the wheel. And you notice I said behind the wheel because now life after the cockpit involves the wheel. Max is uh, developing steering wheels not only for IndyCar, but across the uh, the specter of uh, motorsports, and he joins us now. Max, uh, first of all, thanks for chiming in today on Brick by Brick. But I got to know the background, how you went from race car driver to steering wheel designer, and now pretty much, hey, even my nephew that races a modified in uh, the Northeast has a Max Pappas steering wheel. What's the, what's the, the inside skinny? Yeah, first of all, you know, Tony, good to see you, Jack. You know, awesome to be here. Uh, MPI, you know, first of all, I'm not retired. You know, <laughs> I knew I'd get them. <laughs> you know, I, I'm absolutely ready and available to race. I, I actually, I raced my go-kart last week here locally at the GoPro. So, you know, that's the number one thing. You know, like I might, I might actually, you know, uh, pursue someone to go out there and run the 24-hour of the Tone of Le Mans next year. But MPI... Uh, it's a true American story. Uh, started about uh, 13 years ago, where I built a steering wheel for me, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson in NASCAR. Thanks to the background of my teacher that was the founder of Momo, Mr. Moretti, opened up a company in Italy. And uh, after 11 years, uh, you know, we are a USA market leader in racing steering wheel and not. Uh, just signed the contract with V8 Supercar for the next five years. That we are dirt market leader, drag racing leader, uh, and obviously we did uh, some uh, you know advanced engineering with Ganassi, uh, winning the Daytona of Indy, sorry, Indy 500 this year, the championship with Scott, and uh, the the incept- basically what's behind MPI is quite simple. You know, I took I worked with uh, Terry Trammell. I wanted to learn uh, how to make a better product. We know at how much load the steering will need to deform to protect the driver. I brought that into NASCAR. 
obviously I was very fortunate that uh, I brought it in with the best of the best, you know, with the, <laughs> the sport guys and the success uh, ramped it up from there. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, this I'm taking the money from MPI to pay for my go-kart and race. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a lot more than that, you know, like, but it's good. It's been taught me a lot. And as Tony knows, you know, we went into sim racing, you know, we do simulation, uh, expanding the horizon. Uh, so it's all good. You know, it's like, you know, I applied what I learned and the fortunate that the fact that I work with a lot of different things, you know, learn, pick some process from Ganassi, some process from Penske, some process, uh, you know, from uh, my Corvette racing days and I applied into my business. And so far the recipe, you know, it's good. You know, it's really good. And I mean, Mr. Moretti, uh, you know, created his own uh, business of my 50 years ago with the same principle. So I kind of do that and uh, let's see where it goes. And Max, um, of course, people think it's just a steering wheel, but uh, they don't know how pain we are, right? Every driver, I mean, I've seen the work that we did with you at Ganassi. We have five guys, five different steering wheels, five different grips. And I know when you start the business with your credibility, of course, people gave you the chance and with your hard work and then, you know, with everything you put in now, I mean, every single NASCAR team has your wheel. I mean, we're trying to get that to do it on an IndyCar in a, you know, you built Scott's wheel. What's the biggest challenge when you design the wheel that is not like, you know, some, some people just think, well, it's rounded. I'm going to bring the, you know, it's funny, I just moved into the office, so I can bring you, this is actually first uh, Scott steering, Scott Dixon steering wheel, and this is the new wheel that we created for Audi in the WTCR, wow. you know, the Audi wheel. Uh, but you know, Max, what I want to get, sorry to interrupt you, but like, look, for people that understand, like, absolutely. I love the way you build your wheels because you just said it, the wheel in a crash, it needs to deform. And for people, this is an IndyCar show, so I need to get in more to, to the IndyCar. The IndyCars nowadays are so robust that you see it. We always taking our hands off the steering wheel. But one of the things that we've been talking is we have a carbon fiber steering wheel. And that doesn't give, it, it, it actually adds to the problem, right? You're so, absolutely right, Tony. So I want you to, but it's Scott, and then Scott doesn't have that. Your wheel that you just showed is not a carbon fiber wheel, correct? No. You know, like you're, you know, for people to understand what it goes behind creating a steering wheel, it's uh, uh, first of all you need to add, you need to do um, uh, testing. We have bending test. You know, we did, uh, you know, live uh, testing in, in Detroit, launching a car, see how much it deforms. So that's a, like a, it's a lot of work on that department. And then um, what we did, you know, we created. The best way to explain, you know, there is a, a structure inside a, a frame structure that is uh, uh, machined. And uh, we know every angle, every thickness of the different part of the steering wheel so that uh, during an impact, uh, we simulate uh, the impact with the driver hands here, you know, knees maybe underneath here, uh, impact over here. And for every part of the steering wheel, the, the steering wheel is built, the frame of the wheel, excuse me, it's built uh, with different thickness and different width in order to create a similar deformation all around the steering wheel. 
And then the other part that is super interesting for people to know is obviously you do a mold, you do a bending die, you create the wheel, and then you need to spend another maybe $20,000, $25,000 on creating an aluminum mold where this grip is an injection of foam, similar to what you make up your seat with, similar, mm -hmm. a little bit more technical. You know, so you have the frame into this mold, you inject uh, the, the foam, and uh, uh, in the case of uh, IndyCar steering wheel, every mold is made on the hand of the driver. So we choose, right? Like people just, it's like, it's customable. Like absolutely. you can just say, I need thicker. I want to have the treads for my finger. I want it straight. Like I liked it thick, like the way they did mine. You guys did mine. I said, Max, don't worry about it. Just make it thick. I mean, I gave you the thickness and then that was it. But Dixon and some of the guys, they make grips. They make a little lump on the top. So you can, but I don't grip the cereal the same way. So you're right. I mean, yeah, it's it, what you just said is exactly right, Tony. How we did it, you know, for example, uh, do you remember Jimmy? Jimmy uh, used the regular wheel in the beginning. He broke his hand in Long Beach. Now he's using an MPI wheel, you know, uh, uh, Marcus Erickson, the same. But how we did it, you know, we have a plastiline, like, a, you know, like a, the same things that your kids play with. We're wrapping it's around the Play-Doh, the Play-Doh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the Play-Doh, Play-Doh, exactly. Plastiline for us, you know, we, we, you squish your hand around it. We laser scan the shape of your hand. Wow. Then what we need to do, we need to do a CNC machine of the shape of your hand. We need to take away the thickness of the covering material <laughs> and uh, then create the mold, inject and... Uh, you know, that's why it's not just like you said, you know, for the people that are listening, it's not just, oh, okay, let's do that in the afternoon. You know, it's a process that takes <laughs> three, four weeks just to think about it and how to do it. But, you know, what I love about it is the fact that, that then we can be very creative. For example, you know, I think that the, the spectator need to really understand this. The first time we built, this is actually the first ever wheel we built for Scott. We wanted to make sure we had an innovation, you know. So besides the innovation on safety, we improved the uh, the grip level. So we created the silicon printing that is similar to the one that you have on the bottom of your steering of your gloves. Gloves. That your hand, Scott's hand, and everyone in IndyCar basically has the Mac has about forty percent, to be precise, thirty seven percent more grip than regular suede. So like when it, there is a technical advantage. Dixon, Jimmy, the other guy makes less effort because they need to hold the wheel less. You too, you know, on your car, yeah. you tried it. And in order to find that material was a lot of R&D on it. But again, it's easier for me to do it because I know what it takes. I know what, what you guys need. The difficult part was putting what's in my brain, what is in your brain into a product. And that's what it took. But I have really good people in Italy that have done the job for years and years. But I thank you for the question because I think it's something that uh, I got asked quite a lot by a lot of uh, race fans. You know, what makes it special? What do you need? And uh, like, you know, we always look for advantages in everything. And, uh, you know, definitely got to say that, uh, you know, this, those three guys, uh, uh, they have uh, an advantage in terms of less physical uh, effort that they need to do to hold this thing. Well, and, and in conjunction with that, as we continue our conversation here on Brick by Brick with Max Pappas, uh, Max, Indy cars don't have power steering, and we've seen the kickback. You know, uh, uh, look at, I think there were three straight races, TK, where Alexander Rossi 
just literally lost control of the wheel because of how much arm strength it takes. So anytime, Max, that you can add innovation to the wheel to provide superior grip so he doesn't lose control, that's a moving target, is it not? Absolutely. That's why you see Tony Canan being the beast he is. <laughs> Not just because he likes to go to the gym, but because you need to have be like that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I love to look at uh, the fact that the success of my company, you know, is given by the fact that, uh, you know, we provide solution. And this was one. What have you gotten the bin that uh, MBI may be... Uh... Uh, unveiling down the road, let's say a year from now? Well, they can't see it, Max, but uh, quick releases, right? We have a new quick release. You know, we have a brand new quick release developed uh, for IndyCar. Wow. Uh, and, then... and, and Jack, uh, again, I, I want to tip in because I'm really excited to have Max apart that he's my best friend. I'm not going to say how many years, otherwise we're going to look. Say. We had an issue, Jack, uh, in the past that the material or the quick release that we used with the, the friction and the temperature, it would actually seize and you could not take wow, the screw the wheel out. Yeah. You could not. So you talk about a car that you can't get out of the car if you don't take the serial out. Something happens, you catch fire. You got to get out. You got to be extracted for the car. We could not do it. That was problem number one. Problem number two, we had some free play, which it's not acceptable. You can't have it a wheel that it's moving apart from where you're already putting all those G-forces and stuff. We don't have power steering wheels. So anyway, it was not a good product. And I think Max is uh, it's building something that it's going to be innovative. Innovative, yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Listen, you know, like uh, what I love, uh, you know, I don't feel I want to do an infomercial here, but it's like uh, <laughs> you can. Hey, at the end of the day, it's super simple. You know, it's... Uh, I'm a racer. I know what the racers need. We created a product, but the things that I want people to understand is this, you know, how we made MPI becoming a market leader in US is not just catering uh, Tony Canan, Scott Dixon. Yes, with you guys, I R&D. I do, I push the limit on everything. But then we take the product that, you know, that it's in Scott's car or is, is in Jimmy Johnson's car uh, or in Kevin Harvey car, and we find a way to lower down the labor so that then mm -hmm. I can sell it, uh, you know, I can sell <coughs> safety and the same stuff to Max or Tony when we were 16 years old where we didn't have a penny. So uh, that's the strength, you know, we have quarter midgets, go-kart, uh, dirt go-kart. Uh, and the, the, the technology behind the product is all the same. But again, you know, will we say the MPI love? We spread it, you know, we do what, I wanted someone to have done for me when I was a younger kid. And that's a success, you know, that's a, it's a success, but it's not a secret success. It's the fact that, uh, you know, it's just giving back to the sport, uh, helping, you know, like I'm doing in IndyCar nowadays, uh, you know, so it's all about, uh, you know, we, be, we grow up taking, 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 because you have to be successful. And uh, it's nice to give back, you know, sometimes. I like that. The MPI love. And let's, as we close this out, Max, we need to keep you uh, making money so that you can buy your go-kart and continue to uh, go out and turn right and left. Hey, it's been a real treat to have you join us today and uh, look forward to the innovations that you continue to ramrod 
for not just the upper tiers of motorsports, but as I said, all the way down to my nephew who runs uh, an SK modified at our local racetrack. It's a real treat and be well, my friend. Thank you guys, uh, Jack. You know, you've been part of the sport. You are a legend. You know, obviously Tony is more my brother than my real brother. <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah, we know each other since uh, he's 15, 14. So. These were both broke in, in Italy. So Max yeah. was a really big help for me when I was there. So so we know each other for a long time. And what I love about the sport is the fact that we created this. We can have this conversation. We can look back and as well give hope to the kids that are listening yeah. that uh, it can happen. If it happened to me, it happened to Tony. Things can happen. And so, hey, it happened to me. All right. Absolutely. It was just. I just wasn't very good at driving, so I decided to go the other side. But yeah, but anyway, it's a pleasure <laughs> to talk about that. And thank you for uh, you know to all the people that are listening. I appreciate you guys, uh, the love and support that I feel every day, and uh, how you guys carried me uh, on my good and bad things through your show on your shoulder for all these years. It's something that is amazing, and I would have never expected it. So thank you. Thanks, thanks Max. Max Pappas. So that'll put a lid on this week's show. My thanks to. Max and David Malukas. Quick reminder, if you want more motorsports conversation, more IndyCar interviews, subscribe to my podcast series, Jackaroots Wind Tunnel. It's available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That's Jackaroots Wind Tunnel. Our producer, five stars to him this week, is Nate Lee. For my partner, Tony Kanan, I'm Jackaroot. Reminding you, join us next week, won't you, when we gather for yet another edition of Brick by brick. A quick reminder, Brick by Brick is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the episode that you're listening to right now and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.